0: I would like to introduce.
1: Howdy, folks. My name is Matthew Dvorak, and welcome to the Chivo Effect, part of the Uplift United Podcast Network. Every week, I'm going to bring you the biggest stories in sports and break them down, and we've got a lot to talk about today, so we're just going to get right into a couple of really big things I want to talk about. J.J. Watt signed with the Arizona Cardinals. That's the first one. Um, after 16 days of free agency, all 16, all two weeks that he had of it, he announced yesterday on Twitter that he signed in a two-year, $31 million deal with $23 million guaranteed with the Arizona Cardinals. Definitely a bit of a shock. It came up my phone, across my ESPN notifications, and I was like, what? Obviously, this whole time, I thought he was going to Green Bay or Pittsburgh. Green Bay because he has the connection to Wisconsin. That's where he's from, that hometown feel. Pittsburgh, because obviously both his brothers played there, Derek and TJ Watt for the Steelers. Uh, throughout this whole process, I kept hearing that Buffalo was also rumored to be in the mix, you know, the Tennessee Titans. And, man, if Buffalo was – if he got to Buffalo, that would have been the best place I would have gone. I think part of – it kind of feels like a bit of both he took the money and it's where a good team because it's the Cardinals aren't the best team, right? I mean they they are half decent, but imagine him in I'll get to them in a minute, but imagine him in Buffalo. That offense, you got two you know, Pro Bowl slash all pro corners um on your back end in your secondary. You have a pretty stout defensive line. You have a half-decent linebacking core. Your defense is solid. And imagine adding J.J. Watt to the mix to just – even just if he takes a double team half the time and clears up the other guys, that's making people around you better, which is what he does. But back to the Cardinals. So J.J. Watt stated in his free agency he wanted to go to a contender. That's where he was wanting to go. That was kind of what he told the Texans, like, hey, release me. So I can go somewhere else, you know, so I can go essentially go win a ring is what it made it sound like. But I'm not quite sure the Cardinals are that team yet, which is why it's just a little perplexing. So they were eight and eight last year in a stacked NFC West division, which included, you know, they finished third behind the Rams who eventually won and then the Seahawks. Uh, they went two and five to finish out the year in their last seven games after week 11. That's or after week 10. That's not great. I mean, that means you were 6-3 and up to that point, but then you kind of hobbled to the finish line to break even and miss the playoffs. (laughs) The defense looked like it started to come around, especially Isaiah Simmons, that phenomenal rookie out of Clemson last year. He kind of plays that. Derwin James, he can, you know, pretty much anywhere in the back seven between the linebackers and the secondary, he can pretty much play. He can damn near do just about all of it. He looked coming around great. They ended up finishing 10th in, you know, defensive DVOA for, per pro football focus. You're about middle of the pack, average, maybe a little above average in that respect. Um, here's one big thing, too. J.J. Watt signs again two years, $31 million 23 guaranteed. But Hassan Reddick, who had 12.5 sacks for them last year, and Patrick Peterson, who's been their all-pro corner for almost a decade now, who's on the all-pro, you know, all-decade team for the NFL this past time, they are both going to be free agents. So Hassan Reddick at 12 and a half sacks, that's looking at a decent payday there. At least, you know, a one-year contract with some money, at least a couple, two or three, if not more than that. And Patrick Peterson is an all-pro. He, you know, maybe not commanding that big money, the contract that he got in Arizona, but he'll definitely get rewarded per what he's gained or what he has earned. We'll see how the J.J. Watt signing impacts that. So that all being said, that's kind of what makes me think this was almost a uh, You know, I need another payday-type deal versus a true contender. Like I said, imagine playing with the Bills. They already made the AFC Championship game. You know, imagine playing with the Steelers on that defense, although, granted, Big Ben and the offense is a giant question mark this next year. Or Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. You could have only beefed that defense up. They could have only gotten better. So I think they definitely, without a doubt, were lobbing him the most money in offers. I think that combined with that, he must have just not been getting enough or does not maybe he sees something in this team that, you know, because like I said, you improved from five, ten, and one the year before to eight and eight. Maybe you see upper trajectory continuing from there. So but either way, it'll be interesting to see. Uh he definitely stated that Kyler Murray, their quarterback and his old Houston teammate, you know. Nuke, D-Hop, DeAndre Hopkins was a big factor in his signing there, which I severely underestimated the DeAndre Hopkins connection, Houston connection, which is why I think most people did. Arizona was just never talked about. It was never truly considered. It was it was crazy, you know. Not to mention Vance Joseph, the Cardinals' defensive coordinator, was the Texans' defensive backs coach during Watt's first three years in the NFL. So, obviously, there's a the connection there. They're probably nice and friendly. So, not only did Vance Joseph was the – former coach of the Texans. Watt said that Joseph runs a defensive scheme in Arizona that's similar to the one that he played under Wade Phillips in Houston. You know, a scheme he's very – he said it's a scheme I'm very familiar with and very comfortable with and I'm excited to play in. Um, He will wear number 99, which is the same number he had with the Texans. That number had actually been retired for the Cardinals in honor of Marshall Goldberg, who played for the Chicago – Chicago Cardinals. That's how long ago this was when they were in Chicago. The Chicago Cardinals – From nineteen thirty-nine to nineteen forty-three, and then again from forty-six to forty-eight. Here's the most badass part about this guy. He notice something about those years? You know, from 43 to 46, he was in the Navy in World War II. That's how badass this guy is. So after speaking to Goldberg's daughter, Ellen Goldberg Tulos, she gave all permission today, Tuesday, to wear the number. So good for you, JJ. I'm I'm happy, man. I'm happy for you. We'll see. To, to me, the biggest question I have is the offense. Still, you know, Kyler Murray looks great. He proved that he can still do things in the NFL. He was having a stellar year last year. DeAndre Hopkins was still one of the top five receivers in the NFL, uh, proving that he was worth much more than that second round pick that the Cardinals were getting. Honestly, getting away with just throwing out at the Texans. You know, you get you give away a second and an overpaid running back who's a bust for a top five receiver in the NFL to go with your lightning quarterback. What else do you need there? But that being said, they did finish two and five. They only finished eight and eight. It sometimes looks like Kingsbury isn't quite using Kyler Murray to his potential or hasn't figured it out yet. Maybe they just need another year to get things going. We'll see. That's the biggest question mark I have about that. But again, good for JJ Watt. He got paid. He could go where he needs to go. Funny story before we get off this topic. I actually found something on Twitter earlier that was talking about he was paranoid. He was so paranoid about it getting like leaked, you know, the decision and everything that when he ordered like he ordered four or five shirts of each team, he was considering like those top five, you know, Green Bay, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Arizona, and somebody else maybe. So he ordered like four or five of each of those shirts, but he was so afraid of even people like in the packaging and like, the warehouses and everything during the transport, seeing like, oh, J.J. Watt is ordering this Arizona Cardinals shirt. Hey, Twitter, figure this out. So afraid of that that he used a friend's credit card and their house address, and he shipped them there. So, LOL. You love to see it. Smart, J.J. (laughs) So the other big issue I want to talk about tonight is this. And I'm sure you guys have all heard about the issue going on at the UT, UT Austin with the University of Texas Longhorns, with the eyes of Texas controversy. Now, I'm going to preface all of this. Yes, I am a no no you fan. None of this is coming from a salty place. This is just, as a college football fan, it's my due diligence to know more about this and inform you, my fans, about this issue going on because it's just bigger than football. It's one of those things that's bigger than sports, right? So, the eyes of Texas, you know, famous Texas fight song for all their, for the school, for the athletics, for all of that. The eyes of Texas are upon you. You know, if you're a sports fan, you've probably heard it. It's been used for 100 years now. It's a very traditional thing. You know, they sing it after football games, any type of sporting event. They sing it at their graduations. Any Anytime you sing your school song, that's what they're doing. Last year, last summer, in the summer of 2020, student-athletes, in the wake of the Black Lives Matter activity, all, you know, after George Floyd, Breonna Taylor and all the protests going on, in the midst of all that, they came out, the student-athletes did, in a letter to the University of Texas and urged them to make several changes. Among them we're going to discuss today being that the eyes of Texas no longer be used as the school song or fight song and that athletes no longer be required to sing it. Now, this letter came mostly from football players. So, and, you know, the, one of the requirements the the university has now is – that football players are supposed to stand out there and sing it, like they had it's a requirement. They stand out there and sing it after games. So the song actually dates back to and originated from an old minstrel show in the 1900s, 1900s, 1910s. So, you know, blackface, racist overtones, racial degradation, all of these things. That's its background. The university decided not to change it and is still requiring that athletes sing it. Right. So, the idea of not singing or otherwise removing the song angered many fans. Sorry. So, the idea of not singing or otherwise removing the song angered many fans and donors. And it's come out recently just how much? There was actually a collection of emails from UT alumni and donors that was obtained by the Texas Tribune. That's a magazine we have. And it's about as pretty as you would expect, folks. It's a little ugly. Uh, it was noted that more than 70 percent of the nearly 300 people who emailed university president Jay Hartzell's office about the eyes of Texas between June and October. So when the letter came out to about Texas OU weekend, roughly, they demanded the school keep playing. It demanded was their words. Around 75 of the alumnus threatened to stop supporting the school financially. So no more donations, all that money, you know, by the wayside. Though whether anyone actually followed through wasn't specified. Now, again, a lot of them were threatening to do it only if they stopped doing the song. They didn't. So I would imagine that a lot of them were appeased. But, you know, they got their little pats on the heads and they were told to go. Now, while Texas has more than 500,000 living alumni, some of the emails obtained by open records request included opinions such as what follows. And these are direct quotes from these emails. There'll be a couple of them. It's time for you to put the foot down and make it perfectly clear that the heritage of Texas will not be lost. This is, you know, from a donor who graduated in 1986, whose name was redacted by UT Austin in these records. He goes on to say, it is sad that it is offending the blacks. As I said before, the blacks are free and it's time for them to move on to another state where everything is in their favor. Yikes. Yikes. We'll get to that more here in a minute. Another one says less than 6% of our current student body is black. This is from Larry Wilkinson, who's a donor who graduated in 1970. Uh, He's actually quoting a statistic that UT Austin officials have stated they're working to improve. that less than 6% of their current student body is black. The tail cannot be allowed to wag the dog and the dog must instead stand up for what is right. Nothing forces those students to attend UT Austin, encourage them to select an alternate school, all caps, now, now. A day after the Tribune released these emails, Hartzell, who's the president, released the following statement. Uh, And I picked a little bit from it that I would need, but he goes on a little bit more as well. People who target our students with hateful views do not represent the values of the Longhorn community. A few extremist views in the sample of emails the Texas Tribune reported on do not speak for the 540,000 proud Longhorn alumni who actively support our students and university. You know, said what he had to. Anything you would say in that situation. Normal thing you would probably say in that situation. So, to me, what I see is this. They did what they had to do to not mess up the money. Daddy said, if you... Keep fucking around. I'm going to cut you out of my inheritance. And they shaped up real quick and said, you know what? We need this money. It reminds me of uh, something that my old co-host and friend Jeremy Jamaku would always reference. He always talked about Wu-Tang Clan with cream. That little acronym, cash rules, everything around me. It's kind of what we're looking at here. Uh, I mean, it is, like I said... They did what they had to do not to mess up the money. And I want to address this email again real quick. I I just want to go back to this one guy. It's time for you to put the foot down and make it perfectly clear that the heritage, air quotes, heritage of Texas will not be lost. Heritage. Heritage. And what do you think this fine gentleman who went on to Talk about African Americans in a way that I will not repeat again. What do you think heritage means to him? Because I'm willing to bet you if you ask him, it means something that's probably a watered down version of the same thing the people who were waving those dumbass looking flags in the Capitol on January 6th think heritage means. You know what I say to your heritage? Fuck your heritage. Now, I'll be fully honest here, and I realized as I was thinking about this when I was doing some research for this earlier. I can fully admit that if I'm having a conversation that centers around race in some way, and the first offense out of your mouth is the word, includes the word heritage, I will automatically write you off. Automatically. If you talk about heritage when it comes to race, it doesn't belong there. It, it's, it, I write you off. It doesn't belong. Heritage in that sense is just longing for something that's dead and gone. It's longing for a nostalgia for a time that is never coming back heritage. My favorite response to the heritage, especially in sports so far, has been this. I like the approach NASCAR took to it a while back, albeit very late in the game, in a sport and atmosphere that was very much suited for it for a long time. Last summer, about, I think, June of 2020, you know, as the discussions were growing and roaring, they straight up banned the Confederate flag. They said, we don't want you waving it. We don't want to see it. I don't want it on your clothes. I don't care, it anywhere. They didn't have a discussion about it. They didn't meet in the middle ground. Oh, we, it's on your clothes, but no waving the actual flag around, nothing like that. There were no talks over their heritage and their rights. And my grandfather, my grandpappy fought in these wars and had rights and any other of that bullshit. They just banned it. Straight up said, we don't want to see it. And if we do, you'll get banned along with it. And that is a very good example of showing that it's not that hard. Oh, well, it's, you know, you have to have, you have the culture and this and that. You just can't do that. Why can't you? It's not that hard. It's just a song. Why are you all getting offended by it now? It's been a hundred years, blah, blah, blah. If it's just a song, the counterpoint is, if it's just a song, guys, why are we getting so upended on it? Why can't we just find another one? It's just a song, right? You can sing any dumbass song that rhymes, that, you know, plays when a band goes for any sporting event or any school function. We can find another one. It's history, yes. It's traditional. It's old school. And it's ingrained into the university and school, especially when it comes into sports, right? Like I said, the football team kind of kept it up in a roar again this year after the Texas OU game where they didn't stand out on the field at the Cotton Bowl. Most of the team went back to the locker room. They didn't stand out there for the song. Texas OU weekend, the biggest rivalry you guys have, and they didn't stand out there because they don't care. You know, it's a microcosm of the bigger picture. Racism is ingrained and rooted in America, just like it is ingrained and rooted in that song, which is ingrained and rooted in the University of Texas. Regardless of your feelings, it needs to go. Regardless of your history and your tradition, it needs to go. It is from a racially degrading event in our history, but that doesn't mean that we have to accept it and move on. It's the same as any of these statues, these old statues that are around, any of these buildings named after these people, these slave owners and these people and these generals and these Confederate this and anything that. It doesn't have to mean we just accept it because it's there when we got here on this earth we can change it and move on you can't change the song into something else but you can change what song it is into something else because it's just a song y'all let me give you an example like this the swastika when you think of the swastika what's the first thing you think of it's nazis right you think of hitler you think of goose stepping you think of the nazis and everything that going on in world war ii but the swastika for many 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 thousands of years across many cultures and across the world for a long time was a symbol of good luck and fortune. You can see it in Buddhism, in old China, in, you know, any of the ancient Chinese cultures, a lot of it was used for good luck and fortune. Until the Nazis got a hold of it. And even though the original because we have those stupid fucking neo-Nazis now, even though the original German Nazis were not around anymore, it's okay. Would it be okay if I just brought it back willy nilly because it was air quotes here a long time ago? No. And why not, y'all? If I walked out in the street just covered in swastikas tomorrow, I'd get my ass kicked for good reason. You know, a, a, people would be asking me questions and looking at me funny and within reason. Why can't I just do that? Because it is already marked and stained for one reason or another. It is a reminder of an awful and terrible time in human history. It is a powerfully traumatic symbol for those who were oppressed and terrified by it, and they can never unlive those moments. They can never unsee the things they've seen, and they can't go back. It represents so many lost lives and so much hatred and bigotry that there is no bringing it back in any way. You can't do it. You can't take it and just brush the past associated with it under the rug like it didn't matter and didn't happen. Just because it looks neat and I like it, it's the same thing here, y'all. You can't take all of the ugly things that go along with it and just brush it under the rug like it didn't happen, because it did. And even though it may mean one thing to you, it obviously means something else to these other people who deserve to have their voice heard. After so many years of not, of being forcefully quieted, of being told just shut up and play and shut up and dribble. We need to do better. And we need to be better. Because we're not. Currently we're not. But we need to do better and be better. And you can't change everything all at once. But you can start somewhere. Now. Now. Quick shout-out to my boy here. Happy 22nd birthday, Luka Doncic. Hallelujah! Born February 28th, 1999. Birthday was just a couple days ago. He had an absolute monster game against the Celtics where he dropped, not on his birthday, of course, a couple days before that, where he had those two epic back-to-back threes on back-to-back possessions to take the lead and then win the game. With 0.1 seconds left. Hallelujah. Luca. We are so happy you are here, my friend. Stay in Dallas forever. I'll give you the lifetime, half a billion dollar. I'll give you the Patty Mahomes contract right now, bro. Mark Cuban has authorized me to do so. Don't fact check that. He's authorized me to do so. And we're doing it. Stay. Because right after Nowitzki Way, we can have Doncic Avenue pretty easily in about 25 years, bud. We can do it. Um, also my man had a hit, not historic, but a very rip roar in February in 12 games last month. He averaged 30.3 points, eight, 8.3 assists, 7.1 rebounds. He was doing all of that to the tune of 48.6 shooting from the floor, shooting 43 percent from the three. Now that by far is his best stretch of shooting in the three since he's been in the NBA. He's been a very... Sub, he's been a subpar shooter in the three for the most part, averaging around probably 35, 33 to 36 maybe. Not shooting great, especially not the beginning of the issue, not looking good. But he has been on a tear this month with it. 76% from the free throw line, so still not great from the free throw, but average, but coming up, right? We're seeing some definite improvement. It looks like he's definitely trying, you know, finding ways to take his game to the next level and keep himself up there. So, holly Luca, my friend. Salute to you. And now I want to bring in my friend, producer Sam Gladen. He's also the host of the Lapsed Graps podcast, talking about wrestling and everything going on in that world. Talk to you about the new AEW event coming on this weekend. Sam, what's up, buddy?
0: It's a big deal because this will be the first time a exploding ring, barbed wire ring death match has been done in the United States uh, this has been, like, a staple of deathmatch wrestling in Japan, but it's never been able to be done in the U.S., but we'll have John Moxley versus Kenny Omega for the AEW world title
1: at uh, AEW Revolution. Buddy, so tell me, for all the viewers at home and for myself even, what in the absolute fuck is a exploding barbed wire deathmatch?
0: So, instead of the ring ropes that are normally on a uh, wrestling ring, you'll have oh strips no. of barbed wire around the ring, uh, and those will have small explosives on them. So, if you hit the ropes, the ring explodes. Uh, so, it's a it's going to be a traditional match in that uh, pins or submissions win. But the ring will explode, and because it is a death match, and because it is John Moxley and Kenny Omega, there is almost certainly going to be bats wrapped in barbed wire, chairs wrapped in barbed wire, all kinds of super, super gnarly things going on on that match. And it is going to be available on Bleacher Report Live, their streaming service, for $50, I believe, so... It's a good deal. It's going to be a hell of a match. Uh, if you're squeamish at all, it would be one that I recommend skipping over.
1: Yeah. So, does it kind of have that old school? So let me let me tell you at least what I'm hearing just from the description you're giving me. It seems like an old school I quit match from WWE, Remember the old like or like late '90s, early 2000s I quit matches and stuff like that, where they could just do anything and everything they wanted. So, but not in not like really. a Mad Maxian universe.
0: Sort of, but not really. So an I Quit match only ends when they quit. You can beat them down, you can choke them out, uh, and the ref will have to sit there and wait for them to wake up and say, I quit. They have to say those words. Uh, With this, it is still a traditional wrestling match. Pins or submissions will end the match. It's just that instead of ring ropes that you can run, it's barbed wire.
1: With fucking explosives.
0: Yes, with explosives.
1: Did they consult Ted Nugent when they thought of this guy? Like, I don't know if they did that,
0: but it it definitely seems like they have some guys over in the back office uh, of AEW that have some experience with Japanese death matches and the the people and the things that make them popular and famous. So I I have faith that they're gonna be able to execute effectively.
1: How long have they been doing this type of thing in Japan?
0: Uh, the first exploding ring death match was i think terry funk in the 80s and then it kind of went away when terry funk retired and then there's a guy named atsushi onita who is kind of like the king of the death match in japanese circles who's been active for uh since the 1970s and actually retired in 2017 that was doing a lot of these deathmatch things. I I don't know that they've had an exploding ring deathmatch since Onita's retirement, but you know it it definitely started in the early seventies with Terry Funk and Onita.
1: Well, I can see why that's a that's a and Americans like graphic things, but that's a pretty tall ass to be legally allowed to probably even do that over here. I bet.
0: Yeah. No. Uh. Th- there have been a lot of companies over the last. 40, 50 years that have tried to do that match. There's been CZW, I know ICW No Holds Barred, which is another deathmatch company, has tried. And uh, for one reason or another, different uh, sports regulatory bodies across the country have kept it from happening. But apparently the Florida State Athletic Commission has given the green light to go ahead
1: and do it this weekend. If there was a state to be done, it would be in Florida. That sounds absolutely. like some Florida shit, absolutely. <laughs> man.
0: Absolutely.
1: Well, thank you for your time, brother. We appreciate it.
0: Absolutely, man. Have a good
1: one. All right, guys. That was all. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Chivo Effect. Leave us a rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. It'll really help us out. If you like what we're doing, you can support the whole battery of Uplift United podcasts by subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash United. It allows us all to keep making the content that you guys like, And until next time, I'll see y'all later.